Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to another edition of Nashville Restaurant Radio. So happy to have you with us today. We're going to be talking with Trace Yacha from the Farmhouse in the Black Rabbit, and we have a cool conversation. Hang back, listen to the whole thing. It's about an hour long. Once we get past our pleasantries, the conversation becomes pretty real, and we have a visit from a very special four-year-old, as you might have recording from your home during this time. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Trey Siacha. All right, so Trey Siacha, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Brandon. How are you? I'm doing, um, I guess, as good as I can be stuck at my house. I'm kind of blessed. Yeah, I'm at work. I'm at the restaurant, baby. We're trying to do everything we can, you know? So there's a, this is just such an unprecedented time, and thanks for joining us here at Nashville Restaurant Radio. Uh, I've known you for, gosh, what, 15 years? Years. Years. When I met you, you worked at the Hermitage Hotel. Yep. So one of the things I want to do with this podcast is I want to go through the interview today, a little bit about your history and what brought you to where you're at now. I want to talk about some of your friends. I want to talk about some of your restaurants. And then I want to talk about the current situation that we're in and just kind of what you're feeling, what you're going through. And so when I met you, you were at the Hermitage Hotel 2005, 2006? Yep, 2006. And what was that experience like for you? Uh, amazing, man. Um, you know, Robert, which is my business partner now that, that's worked with me for, for 15 years, um, you know, we had gotten out of culinary school and, uh, you know, went to Italy and came back and uh, I got the job at the Hermitage Hotel. I was young and eager and wanted to learn as much as possible and um you know that that place uh to me holds a special place in my heart um and of course t brown was you know has always been a, an amazing mentor to me and and you know um if you really look at all the talent that's come out of uh, the hermitage hotel in, in, in nashville it's pretty remarkable i mean you know, you, you got your, you, you wouldn't have Poor Real Butcher or Hattie B's or Lachlan Table or Eastland Cafe or Park Cafe or the Farmhouse or, you know, South Hall, Husk, McCray. I mean, all these amazing restaurants from these chefs that have, that have put their time in at, at the Hermitage Hotel. So I feel really, really, really blessed um, to have been a part of that. Um, and I, I think that it really molded uh, me into... Um, molded me into to the chef I am and the, and the restaurateur I am today. So, so that's, um, I mean, that, that time for me, especially just, just coming out for myself, learning from me being around all of those people was one of the most special times for me too. Cause I just constantly learned all the time from you guys. So thank you for that for me. So you left, when you left the Hermitage hotel, did you, mm-hmm. was that, did you go straight to Canteen Laredo after that? I did. I went straight there. Um, you know, my dream was to, to open my own restaurant. And so uh, landing a corporate gig that uh, paid a little more money and, and the hours weren't as demanding as, you know, being in an in a, in a independent restaurant. And uh, so I got to uh, save up some money and, and really kind of focus on not only the job that I was doing for Cantina. I mean, I killed it. I did a great job and I had a great staff and um, 
you know, I, I learned a lot about business and structure, and that was a big deal for me is, you know, I could cook, and I knew, you know, you always think you know the business and, and how to run numbers, but being able to get into, a, a you know, a project like that and, and really getting the, the really the day-to-day structure of labor and controllables and, you know, how to manage your dollars and spread them out how to save and i think was a big big step for me there to uh to open up the farmhouse when i when i did in 2013 so so you were there did you i wanted to touch on bobby because i think that your relationship is just amazing but larry sinclair did you meet larry did you know larry before you were at cantina or did you meet him i did not so you met larry sinclair at cantina laredo he was the Uh, chef when you started there yeah so larry was my he was my boss when we were um at Cantina, so he was the chef there, and then I was uh, under Larry at that time. And then Larry left to go do some other things, and you took over the executive chef job there. I, I just love that guy; he's <laughs> so amazing. And you guys, when you were there, I worked, um, I worked for Fresh Point. When you, by that time, I had moved over to Fresh Point, and I always loved coming over there and just hanging out because. It was just always fun. Like, I walked in in a thousand kitchens. And a lot of that staff still works for me. I mean, you know, Larry is my GM at the farmhouse, and Charlie is my front of house manager here, and he was also a server at that time at Cantina. And, of course, Bobby came in, and, and I hired him as my Sue over there when, when, you know, Larry left to go to Chicago. And, you know, and then when I left, Bobby took over the kitchen over there. Um while I got everything ready for this, and then we kind of all just kind of teamed back up and got back together. So it's a it's pretty cool, you know. And uh, it, it was great, uh, you know. Just uh, you know, the, the owner and the president of Cantina was, you know, we we kept them in the loop the entire time on, you know, what our game plan was and make sure that they were in a good spot, you know, because that's always very important. I always tell a lot of people that you know don't don't burn bridges. It's just not a it's not a it's not a thing, especially in our city, that's very small and close, unique. Um, it's a very unique community in the, in the restaurant uh, industry in Nashville. Uh, we're very, very close, and we're all friends. And, you know, we just, um, you know, what goes around comes around. And you know that. You've been in Nashville long enough to know that, you know? Don't Heck yeah. Managers, it's not a good idea. <laughs> it's a terrible idea, which is, it's been an interesting topic of this podcast over the past couple weeks, is this unique time that we're in and people burning bridges and how that all works. But I remember being in the kitchen at Canteen Loretta talking to you and you showing me your business plan. And if I had a nickel for every chef that I worked with that said, I'm going to open my own restaurant one day, uh, I'd be, I'd be wealthy, but you were the only person I remember seeing your business plan and going, Oh my gosh, he's actually going to do it. Like I knew you had the talent. You always had the, just that, gravitas about you but you always were the one saying i'm opening my own place and when you showed me your business plan i went oh my gosh this guy he's he's got it like this is he's dead serious he's making this thing happen and then when you found the spot i was just like holy cow and then you did it farmhouse 2013 i did it was um yeah, it was it was a lot. It, it all hit pretty quick, and you know, I had had some people in, in my years of experience in the restaurant game that had met that, that really loved what what we did and how we did it. And they were they wanted to be partners, and it was just it kind of came together. And I think the biggest thing about opening a restaurant in that time, you know, me being young, I mean, I was you know, I was thirty years old, you know, and one of the youngest chef owners in Nashville at that time, and you know, uh, I'm thirty eight now, and, and, and 
you know, I feel like I'm still pretty young. Um, <laughs> yeah. Though my body from time to time is not, you know, I'm what they call a working shift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm still a working shift. There's, you know, I'm always in the kitchen. I'm always on the line or I'm out front. It doesn't matter. I do every aspect of the job, I'm, you know, and, and I feel like that, that when you do own it and you do, you know, owning it's one thing, but owning it and being the chef is a lot. I mean, it's just a huge, it's a huge thing to take over. And, you know, nobody's going to sell your business and your product and your your brand the way that I am or the way Bobby is or the way Chad is. And, 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 you know, Chad Kelly, you know, he's my business partner at Black Rabbit. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just nobody's going to sell who we are better than we are. And nobody's going to have the passion behind it and the you know, the care and everything that we put out and, 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 and even in the mistakes that we make and making sure that we do correct them and make them right, you know, because we're not perfect. We never never claim to be, but we strive for it, you know? Every day. I mean, that's that's all you really can do. And you can respond when you do fall short, which I know that you do. Um, I remember but when you, you know, first... I have no filter. You know that. And I've never had a filter and I never will, you know, but I've always... I've always played the game the right way. I don't. I don't. I don't need to to be friends with certain people or to do things to promote my business. I mean, if I like you, I like you, and if I don't, I just don't stay around you. It's, it's real simple, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm. I know what I do every day, and I know how hard I work, and I don't need, you know, I don't need to get somebody to. You, I don't know. You know how the games go and how it goes, and it's just that's not who I am. And you know that I'm. I'll call a spade a spade. You know. That's you what most. I do. I talked to, I met with Kerry Bringle a uh, week before last and we sat down and talked and I'm wearing a peg leg hat right now. So. I, I, but one of the dynamics I talked to him about was I said, you know, the barbecue community is so strong that there's never like this competitive. I don't like this guy. You're always talking about other people other than yourself. You're trying to promote each other. And you've always been like the captain of that team from every time that I've worked with you. It's always been I want, let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about what they're doing over here. You're constantly telling me about everybody else's restaurants. I find to be amazing that camaraderie that you guys have. Not just you and like Carrie, but just like you and the other local restaurateurs. I mean, the list is insane, and, and, and that's what it is when people move here. I mean, you know, Carrie Brinkles and the Pat Martins and the and the Hal Holdenbachs and the Tyler Browns and the, and the Sean Brocks and the, you know, you've got, you know, Lasters and the Bishops with Hattie B's and, and, and just Margo McCormick and Tandy at City House and Phil at Rolf and Daughters. And, you know, you got Nick and Aubrey over at Pelican and Pig and, you know, Chris at the Listening Room. And, and just we're just a family, dude, and I love it. There's just so many of us that – you know, we, we were the grunts, you, you know, and, and, and Deppa Cat, God, I can't, I mean, I love her. I mean, just, we were the grunts and the, the soldiers for these, for these amazing chefs. And, and, you know, we've just stayed close throughout the years and we're always there to help each other. We're always there to, you know, you need a dishwasher tonight. Do you need to cook? Do you need what? I mean, that's what we do, you know, and that's what it's supposed to be about. And that's, that's such a unique thing. That's one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast is to get people like you telling that story. And I want that story not only for people that work in the industry to hear your perspective as a restaurant owner and working chef, but then also for people that come and dine in restaurants to hear your story. Because cause I'm a little bit of a homer. And every time somebody asks me where they should go, I've got like my favorites, but I always tell them, have you eaten at the farmhouse? If you like local farm to table, you got to go check it out. I love it. And, and, you know, it's, 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 it's also an ode to how big our city's getting too. I mean, you know, uh, you know, six years ago, 
you know, people are like, oh, I know what the farmhouse is. And now you just, I mean, and, and even with the Black Rabbit, you know, we're two years old and it's just like, oh, I never heard of it, you know? And it's just like, it's just our market is so huge and we have so many great options and it's just, um, it's crazy. And that, that kind of falls into the, you know, the whole thing with the community and what we were talking about, it goes back to don't burn bridges, you know? I mean, there's, there's no employee that ever leaves working for me that I don't receive a phone call from another restaurant. And that's just the way it is, you know, I mean, and that's the same with me. I, I mean, you always want to know that people left the way they should have left. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, that's important because you don't want that cycle to continue, you know, and, and, and I'm the second chance cane. I've, I've fired people and rehired them more times than I know what to do. And I love them. But that's just because, you know, it, it gets to that point. But you hope that they learn. And, you know, I was a, I was a crazy kid growing up. I did a lot of stupid stuff, but I learned from it, you know. And I, I feel like people deserve second chances. People deserve to not one moment defines the person. You know what I mean? That's that's not what defines you. Um, so that's amazing it's, it's, what you just said because I'm, I'm a complete believer in that as well, just for myself even. But right now I think restaurant people, industry people find themselves – in a unique situation where there's been so many layoffs and so many people are not working right now. And I've been a gigantic advocate that during this time, you could easily be honing in your wine skills. You could easily be taking online cooking classes, learning food, really upping your game. Because I feel like when everything reopens, it's going to be a gigantic reset button. And when you go back in and you go get another job or wherever it is, you can go be as awesome or as bad as you want. And if you if you walk in somewhere and say, I worked at these places, look, I was kind of a jackass back in the day and I kind of did these things, but over this time, I recognize that there's so much more to this industry and I'm going to come out swinging. I've studied menus. I've, I've now learned all about wine. I've done this. I've done that. I just want a chance. Like yeah, you're... I agree. I think everybody needs a chance. I mean, I think, I think that that's a, a great way to put it. And, and it is, it's going to be very, um, uh, you know, we learn every day right now. I mean, we, we've, uh, we've all learned to modify our business from a full service restaurant into a curbside pickup to go, you know, and now we're sitting there going, okay, cool. We reopened. Do we, do we still offer some of this, you know, to the residents that live above or do this or that? And we're, we're like, cool. Maybe we've, modified the way that we're going to do business going forward and we've also talked about you know and we've always wanted to shock the water at the farmhouse a little bit we may do that i think we may we may open back up and i mean if you walked in the farmhouse right now that every power tool i have is here we have just been remodeling and building shelves and and you know um and i love that because my partners are always like like you just don't get frazzled i'm not frazzled i'm not going to get frazzled about this it is what it is does it suck are we going to make it i don't know Am I going to go to work every day until somebody tells me to screw off, fuck off, whatever, excuse my language? But, I mean, yeah, absolutely I am. I'm going to run to the damn finish line, you know, regardless of what the what the result is. I'm always going to run to the finish line. Absolutely. So, and now you actually – and I've, I've been telling restaurateurs also, right now you've got time. The number one thing that people don't have as a – and yourself, you said it. I'm an owner and a chef. So it's not like you just sit behind a desk all day long. you got a ton of stuff to do. The one thing that you have now that you didn't have before is an empty restaurant all day long. You have so much opportunity to do all this stuff that it sounds like you're just killing it, taking advantage of it. Yeah, we are, man. We're remodeling. We're doing floor plans. Just, you know, I mean, that's that's all we can do. And, you know, I'm lucky that 
you know, I know how to build shit. So that's the great <laughs> thing about it. I always have, you know, I mean, that's the, you know, and that's the greatest thing. And so, um, you know, that's one less thing that, you know, and, and another thing that nobody's doing right now, everybody's doing is not spending money. You know, it's like, how do we do this and not spend money and, you know, try to conserve. But, you know, our biggest goal right now is to, to get, you know, our staff at least on rotation to where we can bring them in and, and you know, we got to make them some money, you know, we got to, sure. we got to, we, we got to be able to pay them and, and hope that they survive too. You know I mean? I can, I can survive all I want, but if I don't have the people that are in my building every day, you know, I'm, I'm just Trey, the restaurant owner and chef. I'm not a, I'm not a restaurant. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. they're your family. And, uh, you know, um, I think that we're going to learn a lot from Nashville in this moment. I think we're going to learn a lot about where you pick and choose to work as a line cook. Um, and if you're chasing the almighty dollar, then that's great. Um, but you also got to know when you chase that almighty dollar that the results are always, always a little harsher, and uh, the feelings of, of who you are for and who you're with are, are, are a little a little different too. So um, been there, done that. You know, I think uh, you know that the, the city has grown at a, at a rate that has totally changed. You know what what the worth of a, a line cook is and what what the worth of a server is and you know I'm not saying it's bad or good it's just you know well i mean i think that there's a huge gap there and i think that when this thing's over the people that come back i think there's going to be a much more option but i think you're going to get all the people that work for you i mean i remember when you opened there i did i walked through your restaurant before it was ever open and you were like check it out bro i got a tv on the line, I can watch Notre Dame football on Saturdays. Yep. What's up? And I was just like, hell yeah, man. This guy put a TV on his line so that he can watch football on Saturdays. How cool is that? It's all work. You know, we're always in the kitchen. And I'm always, you know, I love college football. I'm not going to have Saturdays off. That's just not going to happen. So I'm like, I'm going to be here, and this is my kitchen now. Then hell yeah, I'm going to have Preds games on at night, and I'm going to watch college football. And that's what I'm going to do, and I love it. And it's just – and my staff loves it. I mean, we have all, all – my, my entire line is Predators fans. And it's it's just – you know, and I'm sure my – everybody that dines in my restaurant that has dined in my restaurant has heard us back there screaming when they score. It's just – it's part of it. You know, it's a family. So you, you know, we, 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 we get our job done, but we also we're, – we're family. I mean, I spend more time with these people than I do my own family. Tell me – you know. Tell me about those people. Who do you? Because every time I go in there, you just like, and it's been a while, and I'm so sorry for that, by the way. And I will definitely no, come by and hang. I, mean, I get it. <laughs> you uh, tell me nothing. Hell, it's like every time I turn around, somebody's like, "You've been here," and I'm like, "What? Where's that at?" And I'm like, "Jesus! Like, how do I keep up with all this?" You know? It's insane. So tell me about the people that do work for you, because you've got people that work there a long time. Oh yeah, we've got. I mean, I've just got a bunch of goofballs, man. We're all goofballs. You know that? I mean. We, we're, we're in a room all day long with no windows and no sunlight, and it's 13, 14 hours a day, and we're just goofballs, you know? And we're, we're used to working side by side, you know, sharing cutting boards, and, you know, we're just, I love them. They're my family, you know? And you, you just, you, you miss them, and you you want to do everything you can right now in this time to, to make sure that they're, they're surviving, you know? Not, you know, that they're able to pay their bills and they're able to put food on their table and you know that's what we tell our entire staff if you're hungry swing by we'll cook you dinner during this time whatever i mean but it's also an ode to to who we are that every single one of my staff members between both restaurants has been like 
dude, I'll come in. You don't got to pay me. Like, we're just, I'm like, dude, no, y'all don't, you know, and that's just awesome. You know, and I don't know if a lot of people have employees like that. And I'm sure that a lot of the people I listed earlier do. Um, but you know what I mean? It's, it's just a different vibe. So if you're a potential, if you're working, if you're listening to this and you work in a kitchen and you want to work for that type of person, um, like Trey, I mean, that these are the places you're going to go where you're going to get quality of life and become part of something bigger than yourself. And so many people just go in because they need a job. And I feel like when you join there, when you come on to work at the farmhouse or Black Rabbit, you're really joining like a crew, like it's a family. Like it's, it's when you read Anthony Bourdain's book, um, Kitchen Confidential, and he talks about these restaurants, these crews of people, like that's what you've created. And that is unique. All those people you talked about, that's all part of your peers and people you hang out with. And that's kind of the fun side of this that I don't know if everybody gets. No, they don't. They don't get it. And and I don't know, you know, and it's like going, you know, touching on the the kind of we were talking about wages and stuff like that. I mean, if you go back, let's go back to 2006, 2000, all the way to 2010, I was at the Hermitage Hotel. I was a line cook, okay, a saute line cook, and a damn good saute line cook, and I'd like to say I'm still the same damn good line cook that I was because <laughs> I still work the line every day. But I worked, you know, a 13, 14-hour station and a flat top by myself and got paid $12 an hour, okay? And that, that was good money. And, but I, nobody did my prep. Nobody had to come cook my food. Nobody had to make sure Trey was set up every day. And back then, that's what I was surrounded with. And today, it's a lot different. Now I'm having to pay two saute cooks to work the same station, and I'm paying them now $17 a piece, and I'm still having to do their prep, and I'm still having to get there. I mean, it's just it's, it's absolutely insane to me. And I have these conversations with a lot of my colleagues in this restaurant business right now. It's like, what happened? You know, where, where, where's the passion? Where's the, you know, uh, every job I used to get hired for, it's like, what book are you reading right now? What cookbook are you into right now? You don't have one here. Here's a stat. Take these home. You know, it was important. It, it was so, the school of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And it's different now. You know, you got to handle everybody with a, you know, with a white glove. It's just, it's a different mentality and it's, um, it's hard. It's hard for us in this business because it's like, you know, I, I don't, you know, it is. Like it's a, it, with the cell phones and the social media and the da, 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 and I get it. Like I get social media is a very important part of marketing and all this stuff. You don't need to be on social media while you're cooking on my line. It's just not a, it's not a, it's not a necessity. You know, I told somebody, um, in a restaurant where I did uh, kind of an orientation for their staff. We kind of realigned core values. And uh, this is a restaurant just recently. And I said, please do not get on your phones because I don't want to be your dad. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown adult. You're a grown ass adult. Please do not make me micromanage you to like stay off your face, like stay off Facebook at work. I, I don't, please do not put me in a position where I have to tell you not to be on your phone. Because yes. I, I have so many more things in my life I have to do right now. I don't need to monitor your cell phone usage. If you need to use your phone so damn bad, don't work here. Go sit on your phone somewhere. 
Like when you're here, you're not allowed to be on your phone. I'm making this abundantly clear. And if I have to manage you, then then we're probably not in the right place. It's true though. I mean, it's so it's absolutely true. I just don't, you know. And it's even like if I have a server, it's like, well, my tables are good. I was like, totally get that. But let me say that I'm on this other table and I'm in Joey's section, and they need something, but Joey's busy because he's got a full section, and they're over there looking at you leaned up against the wall on your cell phone. What do you think they're thinking at this point? They're thinking I can't get nobody to come by my table, and this server's over here just sitting on their ass. A thousand, thousand, because it's. I've always said that if you're in the front of the house, you're on stage. The second you walk out there, you're on stage. People are looking at you. Their perception, especially now, especially when this this whole coronavirus thing came out. Anybody touches their face, anybody does anything, they're going that person. They're watching you. And if Look, you're, are you going to the bathroom with your apron on? Are you, I mean, it's you know, is your. I mean, you know how dirty your cell phone is. Do people actually think about this? You do realize how dirty your cell phone is. I mean, I wipe. My, they laugh at me. They're always like, "You're always wiping your cell phone down." I'm like, "Dude, are you really?" I mean, think about this. Raise your hand if you go to the bathroom with your cell phone. You you know you do. Raise. Your, I mean, it's just like it's gross. Do you wash your phone? No, you don't. It's gross. It's it's just. We all have changed that habit now. Everybody does now. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, shit, that was my biggest joke when all this shit came out. It's like, wash your hands. And I'm going like, if we're just now starting to wash our hands, <laughs> we are way, way behind. I mean, as a chef, I wash my hands probably more than doctors did. Yeah. You know? You know, it, it's just, it's amazing. And, it, you know, the new health rules now, it's like, you got to wear gloves. Wear gloves. I'm like, dude, really? I'm more up to wash my hands if I can feel what's on my hands you uh, know? I think the gloves can be a disservice because people think I was at a gas station the other day and I watched the lady the lady behind the counter and I was standing way back and I had to to go in there and uh, she was wearing gloves the whole time but like, she's just doing all of the transactions with gloves on and I'm like you realize when you do like you should change your gloves after every transaction but no she's like you I'm wearing gloves car, you, you open the handle on your car right you put your groceries in your car, and then when you get home, you probably take your gloves off, and then you unload your groceries, and now you're touching every single box. It, 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 it just doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It's and it's it's a crazy time we're living in. I love going to Kroger's right now, honestly, brother. I mean, I get to walk in there and see the greatest things in the world right now. I'm just walking in there to get stuff for my family because I'm leaving my wife and my kids at home, and I want them out in this. And, and and it's just like I'm watching people and they were like barbecue gloves they go up like past their elbow and I'm just watching this stuff I mean Casey's my wife's friend the other day was at Walmart and this lady had a snorkel on a damn snorkel mask and a snorkel walking around the store because she thought that that was going to help uh, what is going I, I'm, I'm lost on this man I'm very lost on this I'm just I don't, and and I have a lot more feelings for for this because my wife is a trauma nurse, and so I know what she's dealing with right now with all this crap, and that that the people who aren't sick and the people that are trying to get in to get if you're not sick, stay home, and if you are sick, stay home until you get to a point to where you need to go to the hospital, because they're gonna just look at you and be like, cool, you got it. There's nothing we can. There's not a cure for it. You know, it's it's just you're clogging it up for the people that really need a ventilator or they really need to have fluids or they really need 
to be in a hospital and be monitored. You well, know, I mean, there's people that have normal cardiac arrest right now, and there's people that are like having babies, and there's all the normal medical situations that if you don't need to be intubated or you don't need a respirator, just stay home. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get real with y'all right now. My uncle just died yesterday. Okay, I had a stroke Friday. So my my aunt Teresa and his her two daughters, they can't even go to the hospital to see him through this entire thing. You know, it, it's it's very emotional, and and the hell I fed the whole HCA Summit medical team, ER surgeons, everything on Sunday because nobody will deliver food to them because they're scared to go to the damn hospital. It's like, what is going on right now? Like, just wash your hands, don't get in big groups of people. You know, it just it's it's very simple message that the people are trying to tell us. You know. Um, it's just, it's very frustrating. I mean, I've been to work every day for three weeks, same four people in the building. We're not on top of each other. We carry the food outside with gloves on. We take the gloves off, we throw them in the damn trash. It's done. You know what I mean? It's just, just follow the rules (laughs) and we can get back to normal life. As, and as you know? fast as we can do it, you know, I, I, it's just it's a, just, uh, it's, it's just crazy, you know, and, and, you know, and I, and I got it, you know, my, my wife deals with it every day a little deeper than probably most people do. And I just, you know, I get a lot more information on it and it's just, uh, a lot of people out there that, that don't have any symptoms that are wasting things on themselves that should be going to people that need it. You know, it's, um, it's mm. crazy, 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 brother. It's crazy. It is crazy. So let's let's pivot a little bit. But I want to talk about, and I appreciate your candor. I mean, obviously, this is, um, it, you said at the beginning, you don't pull punches, and this is who you are. And I love that I, I knew I would get exactly who you are on this, this interview, and thank you for that. But I want to talk about your restaurants. I want to do a little bit of, uh, I want to talk about the farmhouse, and I want to talk about Black Rabbit. Cool. Can we just talk about your restaurants for a minute? Sure. <laughs> When you opened the farmhouse, you told me, because uh, uh, I was there for the friends and family night, sat next to your family, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome. Uh, very rough, very rough night. Oh, very rough night. <laughs> very rough night. <laughs> you said nothing, you didn't use any, so the farmhouse, farm to table, you used all products to make the farmhouse with products from America, right? Absolutely. Sure did. Everything, every piece of furniture, every table, every manufacturer produced in the United States. And do you carry any products that are from outside the United States? Uh, I do now. You do now? This year, we we were having a lot of people that wanted tequila. Yes. So the tequila, I made a a change at the bar, and that's the only thing I did. I said, if it's owned by an American company, we can buy it. Okay. So, the money's still staying in the country, and that's a big deal to me. So, we had to make some leeway. We had a lot of people that wanted it, and it was like, I had to hear it for seven years, and finally I'm like, okay, just do it. Damn it, just do it. But you don't have Irish whiskey. I don't. All right. You still have, so you have tequila, but that's it. But your original concept was, it's going to be from America. If I have it here, it's, we're, we're local as possible. So, farm to table. Who are some of the purveyors that you guys use? Who who are you buying food from? I want to give shout outs to the small companies right now that are out there. Let's give them some love. All right. So um, Chris from Southland Farms in Manchester, Chris Irons, amazing produce. Uh, Farmer Dave, another guy that I've used since Hermitage Hotel days, amazing Farmer man. Dave. 
Oh, yeah. uh, the Simpsons from Southern Natural. I get beef and pork from them. Karen from Wedge Oak Farms. Uh, God, uh, Charlie from CNC Gardens. Uh, my Springer Mountain family. Um, it's just, it's, Trout it's, Farm? it's insane. Just love coffee out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, a lot of a lot of people that, that that put food on our on our tables every day for our guests. Kenny's Farmhouse and Kenny's Cheese and Kentucky and Barton. Um, it's just it's insane. It's insane the the people that we buy from. You know, um, it's pretty awesome to put a plate down in front of somebody and be able to tell that guest every where every single piece of that dish came from. Even down to the plate, where the plates made. Plates are made in East Nashville at Triangle Potter. Amazing people, amazing couple, amazing plates. Um, just, just awesome, awesome. So, so that's not easy to do. I mean, it's it's easy to buy from Cisco and get everything on one delivery. It's not easy to have that many vendors to be able to put out farm to table products on a regular basis. Where does that, where does that come from? Where does that drive to do that? What? Where does that come from? I, 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 for me, it's, it's you know, our farmers are our life source, you know. I mean, and, and you're seeing that right now with everything that's going on. I mean, it's we have to have two things in life. We have to have food and we have to have water, okay? Farmers, are, their lives are very difficult. They do a lot of work and a lot of time, and they don't get paid a lot of money. But they also, you know, nourish our bodies every single day. And with the things that we allow in food in this country um, – it's it's scary for my children and so i want to make sure that my children and the people that eat in my restaurants are having things that are that are good for their body and that are not packed full of preservatives and all that stuff and i'm not saying that that's a there's restaurants to do and that's fine whatever it's your thing this is just my thing you know it's just it's it's what i want it's the way i want people to feel after they eat here it's the way i want their body to feel when they leave the next day it's important and I will say that it definitely translates to the food. I mean, your location is fantastic, but to get, remember the first time I ate there, uh, deviled eggs were amazing. And then you had the bar snacks, which were really good. But just the flavors that come out of what you're doing, not the presentation and the, just the actual food itself is very good, but the flavors, when you eat your pickled radishes or whatever it might be, it's like, God, I've, I've had radishes and I've had um, vegetables but I've never had vegetables that tasted that good. What are you? What are you doing to create flavors like that? I mean, the, the thing about it is, is just don't overdo it, man. Get really good fresh ingredients and and just cook with them, and it, everything else comes into play. I mean, everything else is is natural. I mean, when you're when you're when you're buying broccoli that in carrots and cabbage and things that are actually grown in fields that aren't overgrown that aren't that are getting cycled every year and they're having a year off to rest and to re nourish themselves it makes a huge difference in the flavor of the produce i mean one crown of broccoli today one crown one crown it would take 60 crowns of broccoli grown today to equal the nutrients of one crown of broccoli a hundred years ago that's insane that is insane it's because these large farmers don't rotate their crop it's like when you grow cattle if you leave the cattle on the same 10 15 acres all the time you know and they live on it and they stop on it and they you know crap on it and do all that and they're sitting there 
just it's not good. That's why you have to rotate. That's why cattle are rotating in, in, in the fields. That's why they do that, so that the land has enough time to replenish and grow fresh grass and to, to get rid of all the manure and all that. I mean, it's 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 a part of a life cycle, you know? Yeah. Which And that makes a difference in the flavor. So when people go, oh, that's whatever, man. I'm just going to go to Logan's Roadhouse and get my steak. It's cheap. You go, okay, well, it's maybe cheap because you're buying this commodity beef. But when you buy local beef from farmers that are supplying, that are they're, have huge acreage with small number of head that they're they're harvesting, you get a much better product, and that's why those flavors are what they are, right? And you support a family. And you support a family. That farmer, that farmer gets to put food on their table, and their kids get to go to school and eat. I mean, it's just it's great. I mean, it's 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 just amazing that knowing that. Not only am I feeding my restaurant and getting amazing produce, but I'm also taking care of another family. You know, I mean, it's 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 a cycle, and I love it. And that, in a nutshell, is why we do what we do, because that's that spirit of service. It's not just a daily spirit of service that you're taking care of the people inside your building. I know that one of the things chefs do is they cook because that's one of their expressions of love. But with what you're doing, you take it the step farther, and you don't only take care of the people that dine in your building, you don't only take care of your staff, you're also taking care of the people that produce the food on a very real, I write them checks. It's really every special. Day. We COD everything here. Everything we do is COD. Hey, hold and on. That's what, just my thing. I've, I've always done it. Um, you know, it's just, it's part of what we do. I, you know, I know that farmer needs that check now. Doesn't need it in 10 days. Doesn't need it in 30. He needs it now. You know, same reason I need butts and seats now, you know? Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. They recycle money just like we do. Let's move. How long were you open at the farmhouse until you started the Black River? Hey, will you hold on one second? Hey, Matthew. Um, what? Um, I see my kid walked in. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Um, that Baku gun set. Um, you only got for our whole family, and I'm looking for a Baku gun set that's like enough for just one for me. Okay. Well, (laughs) I will come. Like. William would have two, and I would have one, because my background broke. Okay. Hey, can I come downstairs and talk to you about it in just a minute? Okay. Thanks, buddy. I love you. Hey, close that door all the way. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like my two boys. Oh god, I love them. Yeah, we they're they're. This is like the best time in the world for me doing doing this kind of stuff, man. They're so adorable. I just I've been spending so much time with them. It's great. All right, oh, I so know. I know it's like you know my my youngest is now becoming a daddy's boy now, and my wife's like really, and I'm like, well, I'm at home a lot more now, or a lot earlier, I should say, I yeah, a lot more. But you know, it's just it's funny. I love it. We've been hiking, so we've been going over to the, the Percy Sunday. Warner Park and like walking through the park, and uh, I live like two minutes from them. Where do you live? I live in Mount Juliet. Okay, Born and raised, still live there, never leave. I love it. It's my home. Tornado affect you? Uh, we we got missed by about I think it was about a hundred yards. The neighborhood right behind us got hit. It jumped over our neighborhood um, oh, wow. and then landed. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, man. You pull out of my my neighborhood and boom, it's like whoa, it's uh, pretty intense, man. And and that's another thing with Nashville going on right now. You got that, you know, we rolled into that and then into this, and it's like good, it's gracious, man. Oh, uh, it's it's so, a definitely a one-two punch for sure. So it was. to get back to where we were, you, how long were you open at the farmhouse before Black Rabbit came to fruition? Uh, five years. 
So five years, you find the location for Black Rabbit. What's the the name Black Rabbit? Where does that come from? Um, so when we were when we were coming up with names, we, we knew that we wanted to do an ode to Printer's Alley. We knew that it was going to be, you know, and for people that don't know the history of Printer's Alley, you know, when I was young, 14, 15, 16, I used to sneak on Printer's Alley and try to get a drink, and it was just a cool little nightlife place and fun, and there's a lot of history there, you know, and, and, and in the early 1900s, this was the place to be, and so we wanted to open this, you know, unique kind of speakeasy snacks and live music and high-end cocktails at a reasonable price and cook everything on fire and wood and so we started thinking of names and we went between all these different names came to mind and then we settled on uh, two and it was black rabbit or blind tiger and they were big names used during prohibition uh blind tiger relating towards you know drinking white lightning and going blind just depending on how it was distilled and radiators and stuff like that and then Black Rabbit, there was a place, and it's still there today in Manhattan, called Manetta Tavern. And Manetta Tavern, during Prohibition, changed their name to Black Rabbit. Um, and so people like Joe Galder and Hemingway would go there, and then Reader's Digest, the, the little Reader's Digest magazine you buy, they had rented the basement out in the bottom of this restaurant. It had a little hatch, and the first two publications of Reader's Digest were published in the basement there. And after Prohibition was over, they changed their name back to Mineta Tavern. But they still have this map in there when you walk in the door. And right where their restaurant is on the Manhattan mat, it's got a little black rabbit. And it says, used to be our home. And so we just thought it was a very cool name. It kind of fed the vibe of where we are, you know, us being in a building that's built in 1892. And Jimmy Hoffa's old law office. And Capone has tunnels under our building. It's just a lot of history there. It was just, it felt like uh, something that, that, that would fit. And we liked it and we loved it. And it kind of flew from there. I, you know what? I just didn't know that about the place. Yeah. That's super cool. That's where, if you've watched, uh, read the book, I Heard You Paint Hats, says the building is mentioned in that. That is actually where Hoffa was bugged by the FBI before he went on trial in Chattanooga. So, a lot of history. Wow, that's super cool. So, how's it, how's it been? How does the Black Rabbit differ from Farmhouse? Like, just... I think a lot of it has to do with the smaller plates. Um, totally different vibe, man. I mean, you're, 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 you're a nightlife vibe, but very adult. You know, we don't get the, the Broadway crowd. Um, and what I mean by that is just, we don't get the young kids wanting to just party and all they're doing is trying to just get drunk. And we just, we, we don't want to be that. And we don't want to, you know, we, we have a place for that. And it's Broadway. And you want to be so sophisticated. I do. I want to be somewhere where, adult businessmen and you know young adults and and can come in and and have a cocktail or even if they do want to party and have a bunch of cocktails but they're in an environment where it's not just like you know let's just get weird you know it's like cool we're in a nice place we can still get a buzz and have a good time and have some amazing food and watch a cool show and you know take an uber home you know kind of chill out and then just have a relaxing kind of fun night get dressed up a little bit yeah, it's fun. Get dressed up, dressed down. It doesn't. I mean, we love it. It's, that's the, the our, our demographic up there is all over the place, and I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. And we have so many locals up there. That neighborhood has just got so many people, man. Just so many people that live there. That's just like it's just a whole little world. I love it. I remember my wife and I came in uh, one night, relatively like maybe the first couple months after you opened. And we went to a Weezer concert. We sat down, had cocktails. Uh, you came by, sat down. We just had such an 
awesome time. That's just such a beautiful restaurant, man. No, I agree, man. It's a it's got a special place in my heart. I love it. It's uh, such a beautiful space, and really was you know two years opening a restaurant in Nashville. Right now it's hard, and then we we finally we're hitting the stride, man. The last four months we're just like killing it. And we're like, yeah, man, we're on track. We're finally doing it, man. It's doing it. And then this happens. We're like, damn it. So <laughs> it is what it is, man. But uh, it's, we're doing good. We're we're surviving. Good. Well, if you're listening to this, hopefully this gets picked up and people across the nation hear it and they're coming to Nashville. They want to know where to go eat before they go to Broadway. Or, you know, if you're coming to town, you want a sophisticated dinner. The one thing that I think that has been displayed throughout this interview is passion. You know, you've always been one of the most passionate people about anything that you do, which is a problem with me too. Um, I call it a problem because I'm either like, all in i'm never just like oh okay sure no problem like i'm can't do that i'm a i'm 120 percent in or i'm out and it's like if i borrowed your pressure washer and went went to my house and pressure washed everything i would probably bring your pressure washer back and have a tune up and be clean and oil would be full and the gas would be full and just you know anything that was wrong with it i'd fix it like that's just who i am like i i'm never gonna halfway do anything you know, there's no point in doing it halfway because you're going to have to go back at some point and finish the half that you didn't do. You know what I mean? Like you always do it right the first time and do it above right the first time because you don't want to do it half-assed three times. Nope, you don't. And, you know, I mean, it's also your integrity and people that trust you and trust you to do things, they know that they have that you're, you're never going to screw them over. And I think that that's, uh, I carry that in everything I do. You know, I think that that's, uh, I don't know. I don't know where I got that trait from, you know, I'm sure my mom, um, do you have siblings? You have have a sister. sister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is is she older or younger? She's older. She's three years older than me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have an older brother who's, you know, six foot eight, 300 pounds. I think he's, I think he's like, 290 now but like a football player damn oh yeah well, he played rugby i mean and he was my entire life was bigger faster stronger just like and always you know two and a half years older than me being that big now i'm a big dude but <laughs> but he's he's a giant so my whole life i was constantly battling somebody who was just would always just kick my butt and um i think it helped me throughout my life just kind of I was very competitive and always wanted to win, and I I, I always battled somebody that I always lost. So I I was I kind of cool with that, but would just constantly hustle. So I don't know it helps. I think it's important. I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's it's good to have a a goal, and it's good to have an, a, a direction. You know, I mean, I, I tell my guys every day: if you don't have a goal, then what are you doing? You just settling all day, or you you gotta have something to strive for? You know, I mean. I'm black rabbits up. I had a goal. We were doing good. Cool. I'm there. Now I'm okay. What's next? You know, where do I want to go now? What do I want to do now? You know, I'm always. Well, that's giving me my next question for you. Oh man. I, I'm, we're going to do, I think we're, we're going to get in the fast casual game. Um, I, I've always wanted to put something in my hometown. Uh, Mount Juliet. I love it's my home. Um, want to get out of downtown. I think, um, I mean, keep the restaurants I got, of course, down here, just, you know, just, be a little closer to home, be a little closer to my kids and my family and, you know, just, just do something that's, you know, the whole point of it is to make money, 
you know, I mean, let's, let's open a restaurant that, that we want to make money on. You know, I mean, yeah, I want to make money with both my restaurants, but there's also a level of integrity there, too, you know, that everything's everything's going to be great. And so when you're doing everything great, striving for everything great from what kind of paper towel you use in our bathroom because it feels good on your hands versus, you know, does this silverware look good? Uh, you know, this dish needs this just because it's going to make it look ten times better. I mean, that's a huge difference um, in, in, in an upscale dining atmosphere versus versus going fast casual you know and uh i really want to do fast casual the same way i do um you know source it the same way i do um our restaurants now i think that that there's a way to do that i think there's a way to to do something fast casual that that is used all by farmers and uh that's our i think that's our next plan and uh we gotta we gotta go and going and don't want to put too much out there but you know it's uh it's definitely a dream of ours so you heard it here that Trey Siacha is looking to bring his hometown a fast, casual concept with the same passion, love, and energy that he brings to his downtown locations. He's going to bring it back home to share it with all the people, all of his neighbors. That's what I want, man. Just a little easier, a little slower pace, same amazing quality ingredients. Maybe the paper towels aren't as buttery soft, but you know what? You don't need that. <laughs> Not, you don't oh, need that man. in we, Mount we Juliet. We want a place where people can just come hang, bring your kids, you know, just, we want, we want something that's fun. We want something that's fun and just less stressful and, and, and just, you know, it's, it's bulletproof, you know, and, and that's a lot, that's what the biggest thing about fast casual is you have a very small menu and you, you, you just take those six seven items you're doing and you make them perfect instead of taking 30 and making them mediocre you know well i, I love carrie's new idea for bringle smoke and oasis yep i love it he's a mess just he's gonna like be just marketing. a place to chill out and hang out with uh he when he he kind of when he was describing it to me i was like it's so as i thought about it my brain went to like an a paradise park that's like outdoors that's just kind of like chill that you can hang out at and and eat smoked meats and i went i want to be there i want to be there in the the fall spring and summer we have a lot of the same visions in that in that aspect i love i'm a big outdoor space person huge um and that was the biggest thing at black rabbit too is just having we have probably one of the most unique patios in the city and i love it it's just it's amazing. It's just awesome to have that. I wish I had that option at the farmhouse, but I don't. But <laughs> I do. I do. I, I love being outside. I love cooking outside. I think. I think it's just. Um, I don't know. I do you're too. always inside as a cook. You know, you're always in, as a cook. You're always inside, and uh, it's just nice to be able to uh, get some fresh air and still do what you love. You know. So when you open the farmhouse, I'm going to jump back to this real quick because I just want to ask you this because I'm curious. There was a parking lot right out front. Like you, <laughs> there was a huge okay. parking lot. I've got a couple tickets from that parking lot. Um, well, but now there's there's no parking lot. There is a gigantic building, the Bridgestone um, headquarters. How's that? How is is that working out? Good for you? Ah, uh, it's okay. Um, you know, I mean. It, that whole deal was was rough you know i mean you remember those those three years were were hard you know when we, when we got in here it was you know we're not going to build anything for three years and that's what we're going to do and the same guy that owns this building on that land and da, 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 um, hits it you know six months later they're breaking ground on building this 40-story building and giving me one lane of traffic and scaffolding across my restaurant for three years so i always tell myself if i can survive that I can probably survive anything. I mean, you're talking about a restaurant that went from 3.5 million to 2 million overnight. 
and it's a huge difference. Wow. Um, you're really trying to learn, okay, cool, how do we do the same quality of food, but maybe with, with different techniques and maybe go more towards produce and sausages and things like that. And then, yeah, you, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about your business, you know, and, and trying to keep, you know, your entire staff on board throughout all of it, which we did, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's got a lot of learning curves. Well, I wish you, as always, you've been one of my best friends in this industry for a really long time. And I always appreciate just everything about you. Every time I come into the restaurant, I feel like, you know, I'm the, the most special person in the world. And that comes from Larry and Bobby and you just your team is is absolutely second to none, which is why I tell people all the time, you need to go eat at the farmhouse. You you got to go do it. You got to try it. Where is it? You, it's right there in that little. It's in the street in between that big building. Yep. Um, I love it. And thanks for taking um, an hour today to sit and kind of just tell me and everybody else out there about what's going on and who you are. And I know it's well documented, but uh, you're the best, dude. Uh, you too, bro. Always good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. Tell the wifey and the kiddos I said hello. I will. I think. I think I'm going to leave that my kid coming in here. I think I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave that in the interview, just because that's real life. That's what we're dealing with right now. Uh, Me in my makeshift bonus room slash office slash recording studio. I love it. Don't take it out. I mean, my kids do that to me all the time when I'm on conference calls, and I'm just like, whatever, get over it. It's my kid. I love them, and they're not. You know, they they don't know any better. They're just excited that their daddy's home, you know? And yeah, I'm no okay kidding. And I don't want them to not be excited when I'm home and be like, yeah, you're on the phone again. I'm like, yeah, you're always yelling at me. You know, I don't want that. I want them to know they can come to me for anything, you know? That's the best. Good or bad. Do you have any final thoughts? You want Anything you want to say out there to the restaurant community? Man, maybe we should take a little bit of this tax dollars. We gave all these big corporations to come in. Maybe we should give them to the restaurants to the, that helped out make all that money I don't know that's about all I got left I've been harping <laughs> on that for a while we can give millions and millions and millions of dollars to to all these businesses to come down here but you know this is a, a time if you want to dip in that little bucket of money and maybe give us some tax breaks or I don't know maybe they'll figure something out but uh, we're hoping nice. they will yeah all right. it, it, it would definitely be nice because I'm, I'm really I was really worried about when the tornado hit if it was going to change the face of, of East Nashville which scared me because I love the culture and the, the food and the restaurants and then now you got this and you're going oh god it was what is what is this going to look like oh my god you know who's going to still be here you know and it's scary you know because it just is and uh yeah man I wish everybody the best of luck and if you do hear this, I don't know when it's getting done. If you need help, anything built, holler at me. I'm here. I'm around. I'm just cooking food and building stuff. That's all I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> cooking food and building stuff. I love it. That's all I'm doing. So I think I'm gonna uh, I think I'm gonna title this episode Cooking Food and Building Stuff with Trey Siacha. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> all uh, right, brother. Will you be good? Be safe. Uh, it's amazing talking to you as always. Yeah, um, buddy. Wish you the best of luck. And uh, I hope your family's good, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I am going to order some. I'm going to come pick up some food, man. I'm going to. My wife's amazing cook, and we've been cooking like crazy. But I'm all yeah, about it. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, let me know. Whatever, yeah. just text me. Yeah, dude. All right, brother. Be see you guys, safe, man. All right, bye, bye. Trey. Bye. Well, there you go. I think that when you want to talk about shooting from the hip and just 
speaking from your heart, uh, Trey Siacha from the Farmhouse and Black Rabbit. I think there's also a really exclusive scoop there that he's looking at opening a fast casual in Mount Juliet. So uh, they've had some rough times with the tornado, and maybe that's a little ray of shining hope if something like that happens. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us today. Please go to the Facebook page at Nashville Restaurant Radio. We have an Instagram page now. Please go to that. Follow us. But thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with a new episode. Love you guys. Bye.